Hey, good morning, Spirit Church. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. We're so glad that you're here. Come on, would you stand with us? Let's worship the Lord this morning. All right, come on, would you sing this with me? Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do, there's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes the way. There's nothing that our God can do. Just one word, you hear what's broken inside of me. Just one word, hey, you revive every dream. Just one touch. Can't 
Don't miss out because you're blinded to what he's trying to do in your life because you expect him to do it a different way. Open up your heart, open up your mind, and allow God to move where you are today. Amen, amen. Hey, one of the things we love to do here at Spirit Church is focus our hearts and focus our minds on the presence of God before we start with our worship experience. Would you join with me in saying the Lord's Prayer this morning to do that? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, amen, amen. Absolutely, give God a shout of praise this morning. Hey, here in the next few moments, it's my favorite part of the morning. We're gonna invite our prayer partners to come up to the front. We want them just lying on the front of the stage. But what I need you to understand is that our prayer partners are here to pray with you as much as they're here to praise with you, okay? And so if you have a praise report, if God is doing something special in your life, this is the time to come and share with someone that wants to celebrate with you in this moment. If you have a prayer request, if you're struggling and you need God to move in a specific way in your life, this is your time to seek counsel from the elders of the church, receive prayer, and just accept the presence of God and the anointing that comes with him whenever you come and you seek his face. Our prayer partners are there for the valleys and they're there for the mountaintops. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're seeking somebody to praise with, step out of your seat, come up to the front today. If you need somebody to pray with, step out of your seat, come up today and let's be faithful to what God calls us to do. But as we move forward in the service, can you guys lift your hands towards heaven? And can we just begin pursuing after God's presence? Heavenly Father, we know that you are not finished yet. We know that greater things are yet to come and we celebrate you because you have greater things on the other side, Lord. We love you so much. By now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come and Knowing the battle's won For you have never still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never fail me i 
still stands. Oh, great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your, I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. you in this place this morning. God, we put aside the things that we maybe were, are distracting us this morning. God, we put our full focus, our full attention on you this morning. God, we just give you the glory for all the amazing blessings, God, the, the goodness and your mercy in our lives every single day. God, we thank you for that. But again, right now, Lord, we just want to intercede on behalf of those in our church, God, that are struggling. God, those that are, that are going through difficult seasons in their life, whether it's an illness, whether it's a difficulty, whether it's an addiction, Lord, whether it's a, a, a mental health issue, God, whatever it is, we right now got to pray for your blessing upon them. We pray for your healing. Holy Spirit, even right now, begin moving on their behalf, those that are in the building, God, those that are not able to be here today. And we just pray on their behalf this morning, God, move in their lives. God, there's so many in our church, Lord, God, that are struggling, God, that are going through difficult times, difficult seasons. And so this morning, God, we just intercede on their behalf. God, begin moving in their lives. Begin moving in their hearts and their minds and their families. God, bring them peace. God, bring them comfort. God, bring your healing. We just thank you in advance for that. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can call on your name. We thank you, Lord, that we can seek you in every way, God, that you are there and you're present, Lord Jesus. We just thank you for that this morning. We give you the honor, 
the glory and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God glory this morning? We serve an incredible God. Obviously, this morning is already a special. God's presence is in this place. But why don't you turn, give someone a high five, shake their hand, say, it's great to see you in church this morning. Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Daniel, and we are so happy that you could join us this morning. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you a part of our family, and we would love to connect with you today. If you're here in person, you can scan the QR code to fill out your Connect card or your guest card. Or if you're joining us online, you can go ahead and connect with us by going to spirit.church connect or spirit.church guest. This is a great way to let us know that you're here and that we can serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center following this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest here today, please feel no pressure to give. But if you would like to give, here are three ways that you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in the kiosk in the commons area. You can give online at spirit.church give, or you can give through our Church Center app. Spirit Church, Thanks for being so generous and helping us reach the least, last, and lost. Now i got a few announcements for you. Our online parenting class is going on right now on Facebook Live every Tuesday night at 8.30. It's not too late to jump in. Join Pastor Jason and Robin on Facebook as they discuss the book, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. We hope this class will equip you as a parent to lead your children to Jesus. If you're interested in becoming a member, learning more about what we believe, or serving on a spirit team, our Growth Track class is for you. Growth Track is going to be meeting this next Sunday, March 3rd, during the 11 a.m. service in the office. If you would like to attend, please sign up at spirit.church slash sign up. Spirit Church, thanks for listening. Now let's get out our message notes as Pastor Jason continues our message series on Better Together. so glad that you're with us this morning. I want to say hi to everybody watching online. Would you give them a hand as well? We've got a large group they're watching. Great to have you with us today. If we haven't met, my name is Jason and my wife Robin's right there. I'm going to be hanging out in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. So I'd love to get to know you better. We've got a gift that we can give to you and your family. And if you're a part of our church family, we want to see you too. Give us just a second to say hi to some of our guests and then we'd love to pray with you get a hug or a high five and just check in and see how you're doing. You heard Pastor Daniel say it on the video, but thank you for being generous. Literally every week we're able to bless missionaries, missions organizations, things that we probably wouldn't take the time to tell you in service, but thank you for being so generous. The other thing I want to say thank you for is thank you for being so friendly and so welcoming. We're in the season leading up to Easter where there's going to be a lot of new people that are going to be coming into the church, and so thank you for looking out for those who are new and are trying to find connection and just trying to to make them feel and experience love, joy, and peace like we have. I really appreciate your heart for doing that. I'm going to dive right in this morning. So if you go ahead and stand with me if you're able, we're going to get right into our In the Vault text. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. We call it In the Vault because we believe on placing the Word of God in the vault of our hearts. We see how time after time, the Holy Spirit brings back the perfect verse that we need at exactly the right time. And as we've been doing this month, if you'd be so kind, I'm going to read the first part, and then I'll invite you to read with me at the end. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. 
but how can one keep warm alone? Now here, would you say this part with me? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And each week in this teaching series, we have identified that that transition from two to three, that third part, that third strand, if you will, is the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's welcome the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your word is living and active. And Holy Spirit, you illuminate and anoint the text. You bring it to life for us. So this morning, God, would you take me out of the picture? Would I not even be heard? Would your Holy Spirit be the voice that speaks to our hearts and communicates uniquely and specifically exactly what we want to hear? We just thank you and praise you that we're going to be changed and challenged by your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated this morning. Through this series, we've been looking at some relationships. We looked at Ahab and Jezebel, and we talked about the power of influence, of spirit-led influence. Last week, we looked at Abram and Sarai, and we talked about spirit-led decisions. Today, I want to talk to you about spirit-led unity, and I want to talk to you about a couple that you may or may not have heard of before, Ananias and Sapphira. And so if you have your Bible, we're in Acts chapter 5, and let me give you some background information about Ananias and Sapphira. They're a couple that were living in the New Testament. I know that probably you're your grandkids aren't named Ananias and Sapphira, so that's an unusual name there. Ananias was the dude, and Sapphira was the dudette, and they were married, uh, and they were a part of this amazing church. Acts 4 says that in their church, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything that they had. And this is the kind of church that we are trying to be here at Spirit Church, a church that is unified, that is generous, that is loving. We say it this way, that we, our mission is to share the love, joy, and peace of Jesus Christ with the least, the last, and the lost. And Ananias and Sapphira participated in a church. The Bible goes on to tell us, verse 34 of Acts chapter 4, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them. They would bring the money to the apostles. They would give to the those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came to the, uh, from the island of Cyprus. And then it says of this man named Joseph called Barnabas, he sold a field he owned and he brought the money to the apostles. Now I told you we're going to be in Acts chapter 5. That's the last verse of Acts chapter 4. And, and when the Bible was written, there weren't chapter divisions in it. So this is just one story that we have later gone back and put the divisions in. So we've got to read this in context. The reason I say that is because we hear about Barnabas. We hear about what he did. There must have been some kind of powerful reception, some kind of amazing response to his generosity. People must have lauded and applauded for what he had done because then we're introduced to Ananias and Sapphira. And there's a, a big word and Pastor Daniel likes it when I use big words, but we're going to juxtapose the life of, of Ananias and Sapphira with the sacrifice of Barnabas. And so in chapter 5, in verse number 1, it says how they wanted to receive what Barnabas had received. It starts with the word, but. So we hear about Joseph and what he had done, Barnabas, if you will, and what he had done, and then it says, but... There was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part, would you say that word part? Part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount, and with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. So here's the basis of the story. They sold their property, and they gave a portion of the proceeds to the church, which is totally fine. The part that's not okay is that they claimed that they had given the full amount wanting everyone to look at them and to applaud them and to recognize them and to respect them. Well, the Holy Spirit directs Peter to speak to Ananias in that moment. And in verse 3 of Acts chapter 5, Peter says to Ananias, Why have you let Satan fill your heart. And I underlined that for you on the screen this morning. I want you to tuck that phrase away for just a second because we're going to come back to those words. Why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Now look at what he tells him. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Very next verse, Acts chapter 5, verse 5. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. 
dun, 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 right? And it's like crime scene investigators, the whole thing's coming in. And everyone who heard about it was terrified. And some young men got up and wrapped him in a sheet and took him out and buried him. Now, before I show you verse 7, please remember that in these days, they did not have Facebook. They did not have message, messenger or text messages. They didn't have cell phones. So it was all word of mouth. So Sapphira was probably wondering, where is he? Right? Any woman ever wonder where their husband is? Where is he and why hasn't he come home? So she shows up. Very next verse, verse 7, about three hours later. His wife comes in not knowing what had happened. And Peter asks her, was this the price that you and your husband received for the land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. So what's the lesson? If the young men come in, you're about to die. I mean, right? That's what we see happening. Look at the very next verse, verse 10, Acts chapter 5. Instantly, she fell to the floor and she died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and they buried her beside her husband and great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. And we've been saying this pretty repetitively throughout this series. In the Bible, there are some amazing relationships, some really great stories of people that we should learn from and that we should model and emulate. But in the Bible, there are also some really bad relationships. There's some terrible decisions. There's some questionable things that take place. And rather than mock them or point our finger at them, we need to also learn lessons from them. And what we see with Ananias and Sapphira is that they were a part of an amazing church. Their church was experiencing a spirit-led unity, and unity is so unbelievably powerful. When a church is unified, when a group of people are unified in Christ, they literally can't be stopped. In fact, in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus talks to us as his followers, and he says this, I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Notice he didn't say your bumper sticker will prove to the world. Your t-shirt, your social media post, he says your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. People looking for something that's real, something that's authentic, something that's genuine. People are looking for unity. And Jesus says, love one another and prove that you're unified. Prove that you're united to me, but you're united to each other. And then people will believe that you belong to me. And so here's Ananias and Sapphira, a part of a church that is experiencing unity. And as a couple, they were experiencing unity, but their unity was rooted in deception. They were united in lying, which is something that we don't want to be united in. They were united in giving a portion, but claiming that it was the full amount. A friend of mine named Chris, he pastors a church in Tulsa, and he always says that the Bible is both descriptive and prescriptive, that it describes what happened, but it also prescribes how we're supposed to live in response. And so today, as we describe this story, we can also see a prescription for us as what we should do in response. And when we look at their story, we have to ask ourselves the question of Ananias and Sapphira, how does something like this happen? How could you be a part of a church like that, a Christ-honoring, spirit-led family, yet behave in this way? How can you miss out on the unity that everybody else is experiencing around you? How can you operate in such stark contrast to the church community that you are a part of? And let me just give a very easy, simple answer to that. The answer is, Satan hates unity. Satan hates unity. Don't think for a minute that he wants your marriage to be united. Don't assume for a second that he wants your family to be united. Don't think even for an instant that he wants us to experience unity in this church. He hates unity. He wants to bring division in every way, in every circumstance, in every sphere of your life. He wants to bring division. And, and this isn't in the notes or part of the message, but I want to say something. I hate Satan. I hate Satan. I'm tired of people playing around like he's cute and cool, and I'm tired of what he's doing to families. 
I'm tired of the way that he's hurting people. I'm tired of the division that I see him bringing into hearts and lives. And listen, when I talk about division in the church, I see none of that at Spirit Church. So this isn't me using the pulpit to try to bully you and tell you that you're not being united. I see none of that at Spirit Church. But I am being faithful to the text. We're going to preach what the Word of God says all the way through. And it's a warning to us that Satan hates unity and wants to bring division. Paul even writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Paul says, I appeal to you. It's almost like he's saying, I am begging you. I'm begging you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Satan will use anything he can to bring division. I thought the carpet should have been green. Well, I thought the carpet should have been orange. Well, you're both wrong, because those are both ugly colors for carpet in churches. And I'm so glad that we're past that point. Anybody else glad that the carpet's not green or orange anymore? I mean, it's like we get in churches stirred up because Satan hates unity and likes to bring division. I mean, we just got to call it what it is. And you've got Ananias and you've got Sapphira here, and they're trying to bring division to the church by lying to not just the leaders of the church, but to lying to the Holy Spirit, by trying to behave as something that they were not, by being hypocritical. They're jeopardizing unity. And so Peter asks them that question I told you to circle or to remember, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Now, hopefully nobody has ever asked you that question. Nobody, to my knowledge, nobody has ever asked me that question either. But what does it mean for Satan to fill our hearts? Well, for a Jewish person, the heart is the center of your being. It's the totality of who you are. It represents you, all of you, every part of you. And to fill something is to put a certain amount into a container. But it also means to fill, in this context, to exercise control over someone's thoughts and actions. So he's saying, don't let Satan fill your heart. Don't let Satan exercise control over you by what he puts inside of you. Peter's implication is don't let Satan fill your heart or fill your lives because our hearts, our lives are like containers that can be filled with spirit-led things and not spirit-led things. A few years ago, I borrowed my friend Drew's truck. And it's not just a truck. This is a man's truck. Like when you start it up, people turn and look. You know the kind of truck I'm talking about? Black Z71, three-quarter ton, and I mean, it was a man's truck. And so I'm driving his truck, and I called him, and I said, you are so kind, and I would love to um, respond to your kindness. I'm going to put some gas in your truck for you. And he said, wait, it's a diesel. And I said, okay. And he said, Jason, that is the green handle. And he said, I need, you to, I need you to acknowledge that you are hearing what I'm saying right now. This is very important. I need you to use only the green handle when putting fuel in my truck. Because what happens if I had used the red handle to put fuel in a truck that's supposed to have green handled fuel? Really bad things. What happens when we allow the wrong things to fill our hearts and to fill our lives? It's not just a high cost, it's that we're stranded and we're broke down, we're desperate. And we have a decision to make. What is going to fill our hearts? So Paul writes to us again in Ephesians chapter 5 about what is filling our hearts or filling our lives. And he says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That sounds like a verse that was written like on Tuesday, right? It's so relevant even right now, but thousands of years ago when... Paul wrote this, this verse is still speaking to us today about what is filling our hearts and filling our lives. And when you think about it, this is a theme that we see throughout the New Testament, that something is always trying to fill our hearts. And Peter asked Ananias and Sapphira, why are you allowing Satan to fill your hearts? And we got to be aware of this principle, especially as believers, because 1 Peter chapter 5, he says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. He's looking for a heart or a life 
to fill, so we have to be careful or watchful. We have to be on guard, watching out for what could fill our hearts. And so let me give you maybe some thoughts this morning about how Satan could fill our hearts. And this is going to be a bunch of information that's going to overwhelm you for a second. So let me give you two recommendations. One, you could take out your phone and just take a picture of the screen. Two, you could take out your phone and go to the Church Center app. On our app, all the message notes are there for you. All this content is there because we want you to be able to be engaged and to follow along. So how does Satan fill our hearts? When we seek the benefits of God more than the presence of God, we have allowed Satan to fill our hearts. When we desire the applause of people more than the approval of God, Satan is filling our hearts. When we believe that our private lives have no public implications, we're allowing Satan to fill our hearts. And when we allow our selfish wants to supersede God's perfect will for our lives, Satan is starting and trying to fill our hearts. I want to break these down individually for you because I know it's a lot. The first thought there is that when we seek the benefits of God, more than the presence of God. And I read to you about the church that Ananias and Sapphira were a part of. I started in verse 32, but I want to show you verse 31. They've had this powerful prayer meeting after they were persecuted. And it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything that they had. So this church that they were a part of was filled with the Spirit, preaching the word with boldness. They were united. They were generous people. And the reason why is because we are found and we are formed in the presence of God. Let us never take for granted the presence of God in our lives. When we are routinely immersed in the presence of God, Satan has no chance. That's why I will not preach unless the worship team has led us into God's presence first. And don't they do an unbelievably good job of leading us into God's presence every week? But we have to be people of his presence. I was never as good of a youth pastor as Pastor Daniel and Emily are. But when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell kids, if I could just get you passionate about Jesus, if I could just get you immersed and consumed with the presence of God, I would not have to have a laundry list of sins that I had to always teach on. Don't, don't smoke, don't drink, don't do drugs, don't have sex until you're married. If I could just get you so on fire for Jesus, none of that stuff appeals to you anymore because you are so enraptured with being with Jesus that none of that stuff even compares. And, you know, Pastor Daniel and Emily, they're so smart that the way they say it is don't uh, smoke, dip, or chew, or go with girls who do. Emily's like, I've never said that. I've never even heard that phrase in my life. But when we are people of his presence, the traps of the enemy have no power over us anymore. Ananias and Sapphira, if they had been people of the presence of God like those in the church, when that temptation to keep some of it and claim that they had given the full amount, they would have said, not today, Satan. We don't want any part of that. We want to be authentically full of Jesus as a part of this body. We're not giving Satan even a foothold in our lives. Here's the second thought is when we desire the applause of people more than the approval of God, we're allowing Satan to fill our heart. And see, that's what happened with Ananias and Sapphira because verse 36 of chapter 4, they saw Joseph, one of the apostles named Barnabas, who sold his field and he brought the money to the apostles. And apparently the reception that he got was so overwhelming that they said, we, we need that. We want that. And, and think about that word, that crave. What are we craving in our lives? Are we craving people's seal of approval? Because without realizing it, sometimes we try to please other people more than we seek to please God. And Ananias and Sapphira were living a hypocritical life. They were trying to appear as something that they were not. They were trying to please church leadership more than they were trying to live authentically. And that's a, that's a sin that sleeps into our life and it's always rooted in pride. And you just got to know, I'm super happy this morning. So I don't have like an axe to grind. There's nothing that's going on. I've had caffeine. Uh, everything is good. Again, we just have to be authentic to the text of what, what the word says to us and learn from this so this doesn't happen in our lives. But, but here's what happens sometimes is that people want to create or to give off the impression that they are engaged with the word and engaged in prayer, but they're really not. 
They want to give off the impression that they have it all together, but they really don't. They want to exaggerate their spiritual accomplishments or, or achievements. They want to appear as something or someone that they're not. And, and what happens, here's what Satan does and how he works, is that he makes it where we can be happy with the image of spirituality, but without the reality of a spiritual life. And I'm just telling on those of us like myself who have grown up in church, we know how to play the game. We know how to look the part. We know when to clap and when to say amen. We can bring about the, what do they call them, the crocodile tears. We can fake it till we make it. And everybody thinks that we've got it all together and that we're buttoned up. But when you open up that shirt, we are broken on the inside. And the reason for that is that we're craving the applause of people more than the approval of God. And that's what we see happening with Ananias and Sapphira. And the, the price of unity, of spirit-led unity, is authenticity. And you see that in this church. People were giving everything they had. They were selling. They were bringing it, saying, here it is. I sold this. Give so that needy people are taken care of. I want to make sure that the needs are met. I want to make sure that we're generous in all that we do. And Ananias and Sapphira weren't willing to be authentic, and they were allowing Satan to fill their hearts. Here's the third thought on this. How does Satan fill our heart when we believe that our private lives have no public implications? See, in verse 2, it says that Ananias brought part of the money and he claimed it was the full amount. And then it says underneath that, with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. The thing about sin is that sin never affects just us. There's always a ripple effect to our sin that down the line, someone else always is affected by what we have done. We think that in our sin, we're only hurting ourselves, but we're not. And with Ananias and Sapphira, they thought, we can just hold back a portion of the money. We can put in a new hot tub. Nobody has to know. But there was the unity of the church that they were jeopardizing, and it was in stake. And for us in this room who are leaders, which, by the way, if you're breathing, you're a leader. In the room, when we have hidden sin in our life, it inhibits our effectiveness to minister for the Lord. When we have hidden sin in our lives, it impairs our ability to reach one more for his kingdom. Because if sin is controlling us, then it means that God is not leading us. And what this all boils down to with Ananias and Sapphira is slight deception. Slight deception. And this is how Satan always tries to work, is it just starts with something really small. How many know that the first really small has to be covered up with something just a little bit bigger? And then the something just a little bit bigger has to be covered up with something that's even bigger than that. And then you're down the road and all of a sudden you can't even remember what's the truth and what's the lie anymore because Satan likes to start small. With Ananias and Sapphira, if they would have come in and said, we sold some property, here's our tithe. We sold some property, we want to give half of it to the church. We sold some property, and here's $10,000 for the building program, to give to missionaries, to help for outreach. If they had done that, this story doesn't even make the Bible. It doesn't. All that would happen is at the end of Acts chapter 4, they would said nobody was in need because everybody was so generous. People were selling their property and their lands and their houses, and they were bringing the money, and they were placing it at the apostles' feet. It would have skipped the part about Barnabas. Sorry, Barnabas. It would have skipped the story about Ananias and Sapphira because it was just so normal. But instead, they claimed that they were giving the full amount and they weren't allowing the Holy Spirit to guide them. And the Bible is so clear. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 Paul says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. When you let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, and that is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. Let me give you the last thought here. How does Satan fill our hearts? When we allow our selfish wants to supersede God's perfect will for our lives. See, God has a perfect will and a perfect plan for our lives, but sometimes we let what we want supersede what God is trying to do in our heart and in our lives. So Sapphira comes in. This is Acts 5, 7. It's about three hours later. She didn't know what had happened. And here's her opportunity to get it right. Peter says, was this the price that you and your husband received? And she said, yeah, that was the price. Boom, she fell dead. Again, Ananias and Sapphira were united, 
but the third strand was missing, the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would have guided them, would have guarded them and said, hey, let's keep united with the church. When that, even that thought, that opportunity would have risen up, they would have said, no way, we, we're not stepping into that because the Holy Spirit leads us to truth. The Holy Spirit reminds us of God's best plan for our lives. When you think about it, the wants of Ananias and Sapphira were status and approval and recognition and position. But God's will for their life was obedience and honesty and love and joy and peace. And how many know that when we operate in that way, we position ourselves for the favor and for the blessing of God, which is worth so much more than whatever the amount was that they kept for themselves but they were disqualifying themselves from receiving that. What they did is they allowed Satan to fill their hearts, and there's always implications, there's always results when we allow Satan to fill our heart. And the first implication is that when we allow Satan to fill our heart, it brings disunity and it brings division. We saw that taking place right there at the church in Jerusalem, that there was going to be disunity based on this lie, that people were going to say, well, if they're getting away with it, we can get away with it, and if they lied about that, what can I lie about? And It was going to splinter and fracture the church, and so that's why it was such a huge issue, because the first verse we read this morning said that in that church, everyone was united in heart and mind. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Bind yourselves together with peace. God loves unity. Satan hates it. The second implication of allowing Satan to fill our heart is that it brings death. For Ananias and Sapphira, it was a physical death. The boys came walking in the room, and they hit the ground, and they were dead. Peter's question is really, uh, it's really interesting. How could you even think of conspiring to test the Spirit of the Lord? How could you even allow or entertain this idea in your mind? For Ananias and Sapphira, it was a physical death. For you and I, it's a spiritual death. When we allow Satan to begin filling our hearts, we begin to die spiritually. And the problem is like what I talked about with lying just a moment ago is that sometimes we don't even realize it. And I just want to expose every trick of Satan because I hate Satan. And he tries to start small. Nobody will know. It's okay for you. You can get away with it. God doesn't care. If God really wants you to be happy, so you should. And he just leads us down this deceptive path where he begins to fill our hearts. Disunity and division sink in, but what's even worse than that is that we begin to die a spiritual death. That's the, the greatest or the worst, if you will, the, the, with the most impetus to it, situation that could happen is that we begin to be separated from Christ. But when Satan fills our heart, the third implication is this, Jesus brings resurrection. He brings resurrection. And though Satan wants to steal and to kill and to destroy, Jesus came that we might have life more abundantly. And in the book of Romans, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin, what we should have earned because of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is life, and not just life, eternal life, through Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, you don't have to walk down the path of spiritual death. I'm giving you life in Christ. I paid the price for it already. You don't have to live that way. So if you'd be so kind as to bow your head across this building for just a second, I want to, I just want to address this topic with all of us in a private way for a moment. What is filling your heart? What is filling your heart? You might be here today and you have never let Jesus fill your heart. You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never made him Lord and Savior. You might be someone who's just tuning in online and you've never opened yourself up to the presence and activity and love of Jesus. He's here, he's real, he's moving, and he desires a relationship with you. We call it saying yes to Jesus. And what you have to know is that I have no intention of embarrassing you this morning. They're just people who love you and care about you and want to pray for you. And so if you're here today and you have never said yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you, this is your moment, this is your morning, this is your time. 
again, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. If that's you and you'd like to say yes to Jesus this morning, would you just lift up a hand, maybe try to make eye contact with me so that I know who I'm praying for this morning. And if you're, if you're watching online, would you just put the word yes in your chat box and let us know that, that you're making this decision because Satan's wanting to, to bring spiritual death, but Jesus is bringing you life. He's bringing you life. He's filling your heart with every good thing. What the Bible says is that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So this morning, several, uh, some of you that maybe have lifted your hands, you said, I believe. But now there's that moment of confession. It's a, a prayer, a prayer of salvation, if you will. And we're going to pray it all together this morning so that there's not awkwardness and people don't feel isolated. But let me invite you, would you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful for what God does for us? So much greater than what the enemy could ever do. So I want to invite you, if you're able, would you stand to your feet all across this house? This morning has been a very meaty topic, letting Satan fill our hearts. But I want to offer you something that we don't often think about is that when Jesus has completely filled our hearts, there's nowhere for Satan to go. There's nowhere for Satan to go. So Jackson's going to lead us back into this song of worship. And we've got plenty of time, so don't be rushed. But could we welcome the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit? Could we welcome Jesus back into our hearts? Could we just make that a prayer? I just want more of you. I want more of you, Lord. Come on, don't let me be your cheerleader. You might want to lift your hands right now. You might want in your own way just begin to speak that and verbalize that to the Lord right where you're sitting. He's right here and he's moving. Just begin to say, Lord, I want more of you. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill my heart. Fill my soul. I want more of you, Jesus. Fill my heart. Come on, make that your prayer. Just let him wash over you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We want more. We want more from you, Lord. Fill us, God. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never failed me yet. what an incredible Sunday it's been amen God is doing something so incredible here throughout the church body and it's such an honor to be a part of it. One thing that really stuck out to me today is the conviction of don't let the amount be the issue. Let your heart be the thing that dictates what you're doing is right. See, God didn't care how much they gave. It wasn't the sin of them giving more. It was the sin of lying about giving more. It was the desire of public knowledge or acknowledgement that drove them to this place where the devil took hold of their heart. If you're in this place and you're saying, God, would you give me more? Would you give me a more platform? Would you give me more opportunities to speak life into people? I wanna ask you this, are you speaking the life to people where you are now? If you can't be trusted with little, you won't be trusted with much. Allow God to see you be faithful with what you have and continue to be faithful with what he gives. And God will honor that time and time again. Hey, before I pray a prayer of blessing over us all, I just have to say tonight is one of my favorite nights of the year. Tonight at youth from 5.30 to 7.30, we're gonna be having our parent versus student night here in person, 5.30 to 7.30 tonight. We want parents to come, we want your students to come. We are a parent 
partnered ministry. We are not keeping you at arm's length. We want you to experience what your kids experience on a week-to-week basis. So if that's something that interests you, 6th through 12th graders and parents, you are more than welcome to come and have taquitos and salsa with us tonight, okay? It's going to be an incredible time, and we're going to be teaching your kids about biblical marriage, so it's going to be a really fun one, all right? But hey, before you go, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over us all. If you'll lift your hands towards heaven. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go with God this week.